Hollywood boyfriends are acting up. Are we in the reign of the beige influencers? And a chit chat about our travels. I'm Maggie. And I'm Jasmine. And you're listening to Culture Club, our fortnightly chat about pop culture, current affairs, the internet, and our lives. We acknowledge that the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people are the traditional custodians of this land we are on today. We would like to pay our respects to elders past and present. We'd also like to celebrate the rich history of First Nations culture and storytelling that we are continually learning from, especially post this year's NAIDOC week where the theme was For Our Elders. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome home, Mags. You've been home for about a week now, but this is our first chance to record since your incredible Euro trip. How are you feeling? Oh, I love, I had the time of my life in Europe. I was there for a month. I'm actually, it's actually been two weeks home now, but honestly, it's felt both simultaneously like I've been gone just a week or even like I could have been overseas two months ago. I don't know. Mm. It's weird. Reality is weird when you travel. You're like, okay, when did my life there stop and when did this start again and everything? But yes, um, it was my first time ever in Europe and I got to visit my little sister who's studying overseas in the Netherlands and then Tom joined me in the trip. So it was honestly like I feel very, very lucky to have gone on a trip like that. Yeah, incredible. And I already told you this, but how funny when someone who saw was seeing your content referenced to our other friend, they were like, oh my God, Maggie's having like her Euro summer and I see she's got a summer fling. Like how incredible. And our friend was like, wait, what are you talking about? And she was like, oh, Maggie's like posting pictures with this, with this guy. And then our friend was like, that's her boyfriend of like seven years. So cute. Tom was really oh getting God. in on the on the IG content. Mm-hmm. That's very <laughs> funny. Um, yes, I love my summer fling. So sad <laughs> to have traveled with him and his parents overseas. <laughs> uh, God, it was good. Also, I've got to shout out that I met a Culture Club listener in Paris getting off the train. Um, and she's actually from Melbourne too, but like that was wild what to have that connection. World. Or how big is our podcast? <laughs> well, when you were like, oh my God, I just ran into a listener in Paris. I was like, we have French listeners? What the heck? Um, like, no, she's no. <laughs> But yeah, still incredible. So fun. And I, I want to ask, because we oh. haven't even really spoken about it like outside of the yeah. podcast yet. So where was your favorite place and what mm-hmm. surprised you the most about it? Okay. So my favorite city that I went to, I went to five cities was Paris. I just, just truly fell in love with it. Um, Tom and I both did. It was both our favorite cities. It was just like a magical well experience. Um, Oh, I don't know. There's just something about like you see photos of Paris all your life. You see it in movies and everything. And then to have it in front of you and like Mm -hmm. every goddamn building is like incredible and just so like romantic and just – it's it's like unbelievable it, this this happened because I arrived in Amsterdam first I had a similar feeling where I was like it took me a few days to realize that like the buildings were real it was almost like my mind was like oh my god it's a green screen or I'm like looking at a picture like I almost couldn't fathom that I was there like after I you know I've 
born and raised in Melbourne. I love Melbourne, but like that's all I'm used to seeing. Mm. To have that kind of switch was like really weird mm. in like the best way. Um, but yeah, Paris was just so lovely. You know, we just like ate a lot of good food. We walked around a lot. The style's amazing there. It was just really fun and light and um, romantic. <laughs> I'm glad you had a good time in Paris because I've heard that it can be there's actually like a term mm-hmm. for it right like a culture shock but like it just yeah. for Paris I think it's especially when people from Asian countries I think it is or Japanese yeah. tourists or something yeah. along those lines mm-hmm. go to Paris they get like a really big shock because it's not like the movies so right. I'm glad that you had that experience yeah. and you stayed safe and everything yeah no I was very fortunate and like Everyone says, you know, that stereotype of Parisians being really mean mm. and rude or whatever. I did not get that at all. Like everyone was like so kind and like really lovely and stuff. But, you know, everyone, it, everyone's experiences change depending on who, like. Yeah. And what you go and everything. <laughs> literally so much. Anything. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, you know, especially going to Europe for the first time, a lot of people maybe surprise themselves or discover something new about themselves do you feel Mm. anything like that like do you feel like you've (laughs) grown as a person or anything yeah one thing actually oh my god I love that you're like interviewing me right (laughs) (laughs) these weren't written down I just want to know (laughs) okay so that's really interesting that you say that because I'm so glad I started the trip um with my sister Katie right she's we're kind of, we're very similar and very different in lots of ways. The way that we differ a lot is like I'm very much more like uptight, a bit more controlling and stuff like that, whereas she is like the definition of go with the flow and spontaneity and just very carefree. Mm. And to be able to learn from her in that first week and to kind of like let go of all my uh, habits I guess I have that I don't love was so freeing like my kind of mantra that I picked up was like I'm never late and I'm always on time and mm. obviously that doesn't apply to real life like imagine you're at a meeting like a business meeting I'm like oh I'm never late <laughs> I'm always on time but just having that kind of mindset being like I am where I'm supposed to be at this moment there's no rush there's, there's no need to like be overly busy or doing everything but it's just being content in the present and just like seeing where the day takes us kind of thing um I loved it it was very nice I love that so much yeah and especially when like when you're traveling and I think you and I are quite similar in that we just want to like get Mm. the most out of life that we can and like Mm -hmm. have all these experiences and obviously document and capture them as well and so it's nice that you kind of let go of that side a little bit and you're like well I might not be like in the most aesthetic cafe but like I'm in Mm. cafe in the Netherlands with my sister and like that's all that matters yeah exactly so that was surprising to learn that about myself as well because I always box myself in being like oh yeah you're so like you have to know the plans like you know Mm. the I want to go with the flow, but what time does the flow start like that? <laughs> but yeah, so that was lovely. And it was really cute to be like be in the Netherlands and be like, oh, Jazz was here as well. And that was really special. I know. I was getting so, <laughs> I guess, homesick kind of yeah. um, for that. Because, yeah, I lived in Amsterdam for six months. It feels like so much longer, but it was only six months when I was 23, 22. Yeah, wow. Um, 
on uni exchange. So like literally what your sister's mm. doing. So oh. it's very sweet to see. I was in Amsterdam. She's in um, Utrecht, is it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I want to, I want to live there for a year. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. So Everybody beautiful. Would. I feel like yeah. Amsterdam's the new London as well. Like yeah. people are still moving to London, um, but it feels like more people are moving to Amsterdam as well, but it's stunning. Mm-hmm. It's so flat. Everyone rides bikes. It's just great. Oh, yeah. I'm not the only one who did a bit of travel, though. You were just in Sydney, hey? <laughs> Your face, you just pulled like a like grimace. <laughs> I love that from Paris and Amsterdam to <laughs> Sydney. Yeah, I was in Sydney for work, but I extended the trip by a little bit. Not as long as I wanted. I still didn't see everyone I wanted to, but, you know, when you're paying for a comm for a few days, got to yeah. tighten it. So, yeah, I saw some friends and family, and it was my boyfriend's first time in Sydney for like oh. four years but mm. then he hadn't been to Bondi Beach for 20 years since he came over when he was little wow. to Australia from the UK um and so we kind of had like a touristy day on the Friday we went to like walk to Darling Harbour and it was beautiful blue sunny it was like quintessential like Australia you know what I mean mm. like just that like mm-hmm. picture of Australia like the blue sky and the cr- sparkling water and yeah, then we just like had lunch and had some drinks and cocktails and it was nice. A little staycation, I guess, because, yeah. you know, in Australia. And then um, went to Bondi Beach in the morning and sat and looked out over the water, which was lovely, and saw friends and family. And now I'm back. And we had book club yesterday. Mm, we had the coziest day ever. It was like, oh, I was going to call it a sleepover in the day, which is just a hangout. <laughs> yes. But you know what I mean? Because like we were – cozy clothes having like mm. mugs of tea we like watch a taylor swift music video together and it was just like a cozy house hang oh yeah. that's not a that's not wholesome a feminine vibes yeah exactly so um it's been nice to kind of settle into the melbourne winter in a way like i'm trying to lean into like mm. cozy <laughs> vibes but i mean i do miss it's the hard. sun i've got like the worst sock tan no shoe tan from my mary jane so mary jane's do you know how they have like the cutout kind of bit in the middle yeah mm. i've got like it's disastrous so hopefully wow. no one can, like i'm just like god please fade it's, it definitely will before spring and summer comes back around mm-hmm. It's been a good five weeks since we've jumped on the mic, so a lot has happened in the world. So much pop culture news. Some of the biggest stories from 2023 happened when we were away. Uh, Two that were super noteworthy, The Submarine and Miranda Sings. I (laughs) They just, the memes that came out of that and like (laughs) the Miranda Sings in The Submarine you know, TikTok videos of them over the top of one another. It just made me realize how fast meme culture is and how dead that if you miss like one to four days worth of like trending news, you're out of the loop. Like it was so, it's so fast moving. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like all the memes that came out of those two stories, like it's enough power to fuel a small town. You know what I mean? Like that would, <laughs> like it really, both stories captured um, the tensions of like every single person. I remember seeing on your story <laughs> about the submarine and you were just like, I can't stop thinking about it. And yeah. It really just grasped us all. Yeah. So 
I think everyone will know what we're talking about, but this was the um, Titan. You're actually not technically meant to call it a submarine because it's not like it wasn't um, like certified or whatever, but it was like a sub thing <laughs> that went down to the bottom of the ocean with five people inside, um, two of which were billionaires uh, because they wanted to see the Titanic shipwreck and it tragically um, exploded essentially. But the four, five days that it was missing was so fascinating. It was like a a look at like, I think it captured people's attention because of all these different factors because, you know, you've got the Titanic, you've got billionaires and like the whole eat the rich thing at the moment. Um, I think just the mystery of like the deep ocean and the fact that it wasn't reg- that the sub thing wasn't regulated and it was controlled by like a PlayStation yeah. <laughs> controller and it was just like a, basically a hobby for someone and like people would get mm. fired if they like spoke out against it. There were all these elements that – and also the whole like, oh, they're running out of oxygen. That felt like yeah. a movie thing, right? It turns mm-hmm. out that they, you know, tragically passed before they ran out of oxygen, which probably best case scenario. I was like yeah. Yeah, thinking about it like – that's you you'd rather just go out with a bang sorry that's awful <laughs> yes. sorry sorry <laughs> sorry i didn't mean that oh but no like i'd rather just fuck just like bloody implode than no of course sit in a tin can in the bottom of the ocean with five people no food no water yeah. no toilet like it was a literal nightmare fuel um where were you like because you were traveling right so were you even like paying where attention to this well, this is a thing. Like, I probably missed the first day or two of it. Well, actually, no. I remember, like, when it first kind of um, broke that the submarine thing is missing. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, that's hectic. And then I thought it was just, like, a passing little thing. Mm. And then the updates kept on going and going. I was like, wow, this is really building. So I was, like, half, you know, I was half um, involved in the drama, like, keeping up to date with it. Um, but it was just like so. I think what interested me most was just seeing how everyone re- responded to it. Mm. Like everyone had vastly different reactions, and just the way that it, like how we all pardon the pun, held our breath. Mm. So, um, but yeah, God, you can't make this stuff up. It just, it almost to me like doesn't feel real. Like I can't really wrap my mind around it all. Yeah, and I think that's another reason why it was so. Um it captured everyone's attention but then also why people were making jokes of it so quickly it did get Mm. me thinking a lot about meme culture and other ethics around meme culture or moral because it feels like at at the first few days I was like this isn't this is like quite a sad story yes they're billionaires but these people have families and who are like waiting at home and there's this huge search going on but like by the as the oxygen was dwindling and whatever like you just can't help but get like wrapped up in the like in the jokes of it all and like sending TikToks to each other and yeah. So what did you think about all that from like a internet perspective? Okay. Well, personally, I didn't really have a problem with like the dark comedy side to it, but I do hundred percent like I see what people are saying when they're like you know these are real people with families etc. But I don't know. I don't see a massive harm in it. I do appreciate what people, like some people were saying about um, comparing 
what happened with the Titan with this like um, really tragic accident with hundreds of refugees who died and were left to drown. I think it was off like the co- one of the coasts of Greece or something like that and like how that was happening at the same time yet no attention was brought to that and that's like a common occurrence. So like I understand mm. that side as well but I think also humour is just a way for all of us to kind of not even just like connect um, and muddy muddle our way through a situation like this, mm. but also like some people cope with grief that way. I don't know if it's grief that like the public are dealing yeah. with, but eh. Mm, interesting. And the second kind of huge story that came out was um, Colleen Ballinger, a.k.a. Miranda Sings, who is like a YouTuber and stand-up comedian and who also has a Netflix show now. She has been accused of, you know, grooming younger people and doing inappropriate things at her stand-up comedy shows. And rather than, you know, addressing in a serious matter, she actually ended up singing a song, a 10-minute apology video on the ukulele. I first saw a snippet of this on TikTok and my jaw literally dropped. I was like, how is this real? What what timeline are we in that a grown woman in her mid to late 30s thinks that it's appropriate to sing it's not even an apology like she doesn't say sorry in the song no (laughs) she's just like defending herself essentially against allegations we might have to read a couple out so just in case people don't know what we're talking about because i have had some of the song in my head Mm -hmm. all week um some of it slaps in a very silly way um yeah let's pull out our highlights (laughs) my gosh i've actually just found these lyrics on guitaruke.com. Oh my god, of course. As if it's an official song. Intro, note G. Shut up. Shut up. And it has the baby. lyrics and it has like, yeah, the, the chords and the notes. Oh, that's an actual song. Oh, so the chorus is classic. This is the catchiest bit in my opinion. So she goes, all aboard the toxic gossip train, chugging down the tracks of misinformation. The toxic gossip train. You got a one-way ticket to manipulation station. Um, yeah, that's my fave personally. The one that I find the most interesting. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> the only thing that I've ever groomed is my two Persian cats. Oh my God. I'm not a groomer. I'm just a loser. And she's essentially also talking about um, like cancel culture, right? And that like we're all kind of getting on our little behind our podcast microphones and like cancelling her and tearing her down. And it's like these are pretty serious allegations and like not something to take lightly. Not at all. Another lyric that got me was, I'm sorry I didn't realise that all of you are perfect, so please criticise me. Bring out the daggers made from your perfect past and stab me repeatedly in my bony little back. Oh, my God. That bony little back, it's classic, classic white women tears, right? Like white women like weaponizing their whiteness or white women like being awful humans, doing things that are like, you know, grooming, abusing, racism, sexism, whatever it is. But then when it's like, hey, what the hell are you doing? It's like, no, I'm just a little baby. Like I'm yeah. just a little <laughs> tiny girl. It's so like, it's so infuriating. So like my tiny little bag, like I'm just this innocent little, like little girl. 
when it's like no you are a grown ass woman who has employees you're a mother of kids like you're not a teenager you're not a child so why are you singing a ukulele song it's also peak peak millennial like this it felt like I transported back to 2010 and I know we're like, um, especially before when I was like laughing about this um, and I'm treating it very lightly because I just actually find the whole situation so sickening. When Jazzy first sent like snippets of the video to me, I was actually like disgusted, like a bit yeah. horrified yeah. by her lack of empathy. Like it was actually quite scary to watch. <laughs> like that's why I'm kind of, I've got this kind of tone going on because I can't, mm. I just, re- it's kind of, it's creepy to me. Like it's actually frightening that someone can be can lack so much empathy like this so yeah yeah she's totally blown her career like her career was already like she was still like selling tickets for her tour and stuff like after these allegations came out but even people who hadn't heard the story the allegations like Mm -hmm. weren't across weren't as like deep into internet bloody culture as some of us are (laughs) um since that song they've like now they know who she is now they have an opinion on her Mm-hmm. So like what is she gonna do now not that we really yeah. care because it's like I never like, cared to begin with yeah I never cared to begin with <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched any of her content but I remember her being like really? around in like the mm. 2010s I yeah. just remember her like her character was like the lipstick all over her face but I never yeah. never watched it mm. I love that we were like we'll just touch on these topics because they <laughs> oh, were so big but I guess we needed to talk about them yeah exactly I haven't had my proper pop culture fix when I was traveling you know I haven't like discussed I think yeah so um so it's good to have a little outlet (laughs) a little public outlet um but the big thing that happened when I came home though was Taylor Swift tickets for Australia came out on sale so um yeah that was a crazy two weeks mm-hmm. <laughs> when it was first announced stress and the fact that it was two shows oh no sorry not two two cities four shows I was like what is everyone gonna do no New Zealand no Perth like I was like great so now also everyone's going to be coming to Melbourne and Sydney like we're not just competing with and it is a competition like you're not just competing with people in your own city it's like you p- compete with people in the set fair enough like if she was performing in Brisbane or Adelaide I would go there so like I totally understand that that thinking but it was kind of like oh no like what are we gonna do yeah um I saw this like TikTok which was perfect he was like the best day of my life was when Taylor Swift announced Australia um like that she's coming to Australia the worst day of my life was when they announced like the ticket sales because I like from that moment be like oh my god they're coming on sale like I just felt sick every day like I tweeted yeah. it was like I was sitting my year 12 exams it's that feeling of being like so nervous for something but knowing you can't really prepare anymore and you're just like <laughs> I was I was genuinely genuinely just so stressed out for that week um which is fun <laughs> Yeah, I was so stressed out with my friend Grace. So Grace mm-hmm. is like a super, super fan. And I would say I am as well, but Grace is like type A. She's type A personality. You guys might know of her. Her name's Grace McKinnon. She's like a journalist at ABC and she's also on TikTok. So if you like your news on TikTok, go follow her. But anyway, she's very type A. She's an Aries. She just like loves her things to be perfect and um so we had this whole document set up that I ended up sending to Maggie I sent to Maggie post um pre-sale but we had everything like 
which packages we wanted or like what are option a option b option c like if we don't get this we'll get this if we okay everyone's like ticket tech accounts and codes and it was insane then i realized that one of my friends has an amex card and so i begged her for her card <laughs> and she like so easily was just like sure um she's not a fan but she was happy to help out and then grace and i got them we got the most expensive ones Amazing. but i was like i don't even care like I'm willing to spend and I was willing to spend that much to like guarantee a ticket before the general sale. Well, this is the thing. So I understand it, it, like it is a lot of money and it can sound quite like bizarre to outsiders, mm. right? But the way you put out some good dot points and I love your reasoning behind getting the tickets. Do you care to share? Okay. So this was actually in response to a, a friend being like, oh my God, holy moly. Like you spent this much money on ticket. It was like $1,200. Um, and I go, yes, I've 100% justified it. I've loved her for 15 years and could never see her growing up because we didn't have enough money. Two, it's in Melbourne, so I don't need to pay for flights or accommodation. Three, I love her. And four, it's about making memories. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, you pay money for travel. You pay money for like to have these cool experiences and like I don't regret it at all. It's kind of annoying mm-hmm. when they hear that people got a reserve in the general sale out of luck and they paid 300 I'm like we're going to be next to each other but I paid like three times as much but also like I, I'm so grateful that I even got tickets in the first place yeah. and I didn't have that stress on the Wednesday or the Tuesday mm-hmm. and not being in those queues with everyone else I was like I just kept saying to Grace like I feel like the luckiest person in the world and I don't I did not take that lightly at all um so yeah yeah so excited for February it's like the week of my birthday so it's the best um also to any fans of Taylor who did miss out on tickets because of course the way that the numbers are that's a lot Mm. it's a lot of people who missed out I have my I have no doubt no doubt that if you are like dying to go that tickets will come your way because resale like the week of the week before is always an option always a good option that's how i saw mm-hmm. harry styles even like this year um so yeah think like i really hope that we can all go together so this past week there have been two instances online where men in the public eye have been exposed one exposing himself one being exposed by his ex-partner of being misogynistic essentially and outfit shaming and being basically emotionally manipulative to their partners my favorite topic men exposing themselves for being the pigs they are um so the first story we want to talk about literally broke within the last day of recording um and it is about mr jonah hill the comedian and actor that is widely beloved so um he's in a lot of those movies like um, those those drunk those those man comedy movies. What? No, he is Hangover. The Hangover. Oh my god! No, he's not in the Hangover. What? <laughs> sorry, I haven't seen that. Hangover. Maybe he is. Sorry, I've got it. No, no, I've got it here. Okay, sorry, that was so messy. No, he's not. Okay. So apparently not The Hangover, but the vibe of The Hangover. So Jonah Hill is in 21 Jump Street. He is in You People recently. Super bad. Super bad. 
um, things like that, right? And most recently, he has been pretty beloved, right? We've actually talked about him on mic. He, mm. um, he, his style has been really cool. <laughs> he released a documentary with his psychologist to like much acclaim. Um, he is genuinely quite like a lovable, nice guy in the industry, right? Yeah, he definitely has a nice guy persona, right? And he's also Beanie Feldstein's um, brother. Wow. In fact, <laughs> yeah. Shut up. Yeah, a full brother. Um, yeah. You know. So he's like, yeah, been in the industry for ages and, you know, friends with Emma Stone, whatever, whatever. But recently uh, his ex-girlfriend Sarah Brady, who's a surfer and law student, took to social media to talk about her experience dating Journey Hill. So they were together in 2021, split in 2022, and now a little over a year after that split, she posted something on Instagram which started all this. So she posted this gorgeous black and white photo with a caption, reviving a pic I took down by request of a misogynist narcissist and it's just she's got a little 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 side boob would you say i've seen one screenshot of this um the one where jonah has like listed things his boundaries quote unquote but i haven't seen the others oh my god so jazz we are going to read out some of the favorites that we've handpicked because um sarah on her instagram stories posted quite a few things it was a mix of screenshots of her and jonah's text messages as well as things like articles article screenshots of like how to know you're dating a narcissist or like setting boundaries in relationships so a mix a mix of things that she's unveiling but we really do want to focus on the text message exchanges mm. um so you just talked about this like do's and don'ts list jonah sent her do you mind reading it out okay so on december 2nd 2021 jonah's written plain and simple if you need then it goes into a list surfing with men boundaryless inappropriate friendships with men to model to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit to post sexual pictures friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful I am not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there'll be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for romantic partnership. My boundaries with you based on the ways these actions have hurt our trust. Wow. Okay. There's one other page I want to read out before we get right into the thick of it. So Jonah says, it's just constant and doesn't reflect where we're at or where you say you want to be. I respect your skill and your surfing. I respect how you want to present yourself. I respect that you're hot and beautiful. And I respect however you want to live. But I also respect myself and what I'm interested in in my own life and what I let into my heart and inner circle. So celebrate yourself and your life however you please and shine bright. But I don't want her to have to deal, blah, 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 blah. I love that Sarah's put like stickers over it that are, I don't care for your misogyny. Um, so he says, you're right. We can't do surf social things or develop trust until you consider me and make decisions that give regard to our relationship. I've been vulnerable as possible. And I'm telling you, I am needing you to step up to the plate. Da, 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 da. I respect your love of surfing, but I respect myself as well. And your love of surfing and being in those situations and lack of awareness are not mutually exclusive. This isn't me. I have my own issues that I own. If you want marriage and family, you can't use the 25 card 
step up and cut shit. These people don't get your time or your kindness at the sacrifice of mine. And then Sarah's written, by these people, he meant any friend of mine that he hadn't personally approved of. Yeah. <gasps> Wait, there was something else that you're going to love, Jazz. So she had screenshots. They seemed to have this couple's therapist that they saw together, but she was kind of like, Sarah was giving the impression that she was a bit shady because the couple therapist had got Sarah to agree to paddling away so again she's a surfer anytime a man whatever age approach her she would have to paddle away and be like i'm going to go talk to my boyfriend and paddle away yeah the therapist told her to do that yeah yeah oh my god yeah and so i've seen a lot on twitter about like this is the result of being over therapy over therapized is that the word mm-hmm. is that right, the right word yeah like too much therapy and it's like we spoke about this a few weeks ago right like the therapy speak and friendships and like how therapy it's so important that people are having therapy and talking about therapy etc but then when you like you become almost maybe this is too like hard of a word to use but like almost psychopathic in that way of like like emotions and like what the other person is feeling almost out of the window it's like well this is what my therapist told me and so therefore like I'm right but it's like therapists mm. are also people with their own biases and their own experiences. Like they're not these like AI robots who like spit out the perfect thing to say depending on your experiences. Like they're just suggesting what what is what they think is best and what they've studied for. Of course, of course they're incredibly smart people, but like they're not unbiased. Yeah. And like it, it is so interesting to see the result of this therapy because the words he's using, respect, vulnerability, inner heart boundaries right these are these are words that have such like positive connotations almost but to twist them in these like malicious ways and to use them against Sarah here um is really frightening so that was one example and like I'm sure more will come out in the coming days um but another example this week of a man basically being threatened by his successful partner yes was Kiki Palmer's boyfriend Darius Jackson so you had to catch me up on this. I was literally offline for a day or two and you're like, oh, we'll talk about Kiki Palmer. I was like, what is <laughs> Kiki Palmer? I love her. So can you please update? Of course. So on July 5th, Kiki's boyfriend, Darius, quote tweeted a video of Kiki dancing at an Usher concert, which we love. And he wrote, sorry, just on Twitter of all places, he wrote, it's the outfit though, dot, dot, you a mom. Okay. When I first saw this, I was like, wait, that's her boyfriend? That's not some strange ass man on the internet. That was her boyfriend. And in the video, she's wearing this sheer black pattern long sleeve dress over a black thong bodysuit. She's got like black heels and everything. She looks amazing, right? Um, That tweet did cop a lot of Mm. backlash from people, although also it had people agreeing with him as well yeah so Darius followed up on his initial tweet after everyone was like dude what the hell yeah and he said (laughs) quote we live in a generation where a man of the family doesn't want the wife and mother to his kids to showcase booty cheeks to please others and he gets told how much of a hater he is this is my family and my representation. I have standards and morals to what I believe I rest my case also he's not married to her there's yeah. no ring on a finger, not engaged, not married, unless they got married in private somewhere. But everyone's been referencing referencing him as baby daddy or boyfriend. It's very embarrassing. And Kiki Palmer is such a strong icon. She is like a beloved, you know, former Disney star. 
we grew up alongside her and have always looked up to her. I still do, of course. doesn't change anything. But it's like, God, that's so brutal to have your partner embarrassed uh-huh. like that. Like that's 100% emotional manipulation yeah. when your partner shames you in front of the world. Yeah. What the? Honestly. Yeah. yeah. It's actually outrageous. I can't mm. imagine. Like imagine even just like if one of your friends – boyfriends or whatever did that to your friend like <laughs> even on their own instagram let alone if they were like world-class celebrity you know kiki is he's not um yeah i do love how kiki chose to respond to this so on instagram she posted an incredible carousel um of hot outfit pics um what's even great is like like her tits are more out, etc. Whereas the video was just like her dancing, right? She's she's looking incredible in these photos. And the caption that she posted it um, started with, wish I had taken more pictures, but we were running late. So um, I do love that she isn't backing down, though I can't imagine like the inner workings of her relationships and, and how that must have played out. Have they broken up yet? Like, do we know? Or is it just not like- publicly, not nothing mm. yet in that realm, but like, I don't know. I, I'm a bit mortified. I don't know. Like, of course she can choose whatever she wants, Yeah, of course. but to stay in a relationship with someone who doesn't like respect and see her for all she's worth is, is sad to watch on the side. Especially when there's that like famous clip from an interview, the TikTok clip, which is like, oh my God, I hate misogyny. I hate mm-hmm. patriarchy. You're done. You're done. <laughs> like, you know, like that's her yeah, brand, was, right? Yeah. And then this, this scrub has just come in and ruined that. No, not ruined it for her, but like, yeah, embarrassing, embarrassing. and so insecure of him. I've seen mm. some things on TikTok as well of people saying like maybe he was triggered by the way she was dancing with Usher, which is still unacceptable for him to publicly shame her. Um, yeah. I'm not saying that's right in any way, but like people were like, this isn't about the dress. Like it's about something else deeper. He's been triggered by something deeper and like this is him just blaming the dress. We'll never know. We don't know these people. Mm-hmm. We don't know, yeah, the ins and outs of their relationship. But yeah, pretty, pretty rough. So there was this Guardian piece that was released in like the last week and it has been picking up a lot of traction and we want to talk about it. So it is called Beware the Beige Fluences, Cheerleaders for a Life of No Surprises and it was written by American writer Sarah Manavis. So the subheading of the article says, light a candle, wear matching pajamas, go to bed early. Why has tedium become an aspiration for so many young people? So the piece essentially talks about how people under 30 are romanticizing their lives, loving, um, you know, at home aesthetics. You know, we've all seen the TikTok videos of like the beautiful person in their beautiful apartment. Just all they're doing is like getting out of their bed at 5.30 a.m., going to make a coffee, doing some yoga, getting dressed, cleaning their apartment, you know, those types of videos. Um, and this article essentially questions why young people are doing this and is wondering as well, like, is this all there is to life essentially? Okay. So when I first saw this article, it was shared by the writer on uh, Twitter. I was gobsmacked because it really felt like a smack over the head (laughs) because I felt, I felt like it really personally related to my own kind of 
content on like how I kind of present myself online and like my interests and stuff like that. And I was like, whoa, I'd never thought of it this way before because um, even pre, I would actually say pre-internet days or at least very early on, like in my early teen years, I really lived my life like this as well, like romanticizing the small bits. And I hadn't actually noticed that, yeah, the, the whole entirety of the internet essentially gravitated to that mm. content in recent years since COVID as well. Um, it kind of felt very natural to me. I didn't even think twice. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, when I first read this article, I agreed with it wholeheartedly. Like mm-hmm. even yeah. the critical parts, I was like, I was like, yeah, my Gen Z friends are like this. Like <laughs> none up. of my, no offense, none of my Gen so Z friends, like people under 25 who I'm friends with, I'm, I'm 27, go out, like party, go to clubs. Like it's all people like who are like 26, 27, who are still kind of like going out, out and like partying and whatever. And I, I do find that so interesting. Like people who are 20 to 25 get more joy, I guess, out of like having a dinner at home or let's go get coffee and go for a walk or like things like that. Mm. Um, But I, like it's referenced in the article, I 100% put that down to COVID and I saw a great tweet in response to this article that was Mm. kind of sarcastic. It was actually on, um, on Sarah's own Twitter that was something along the lines of, um, oh, who would have thought that like the generation, you know, post 9-11 who've seen two major financial crises, who can't afford to buy a house, who have were locked in their houses for two years from COVID, who couldn't travel, like who would have thought that like they would respond to this chaotic, uncertain, climate-changing world by staying at home and like the only it reminds me a lot of COVID lockdown when it was like the only thing that you can control is your little world you can control what time you wake up you can control if you go for a walk or not how to light a if you light a candle etc etc like how you present yourself that was all that everyone in the world not just young people everyone had yeah um so I think and it's like in such a formative years in your early 20s and that I do think like something's shifted in people's brain also it's so expensive to go out right like exactly to go out dancing exactly. and drinking is like you know you're paying like $13 for a glass of wine say you wanted to get really drunk say you wanted seven glasses of wine something like that like that's like over a hundred dollars when yeah. we're also being mm-hmm. told young people should save young people need to buy a house yeah like if you want to travel you better save money blah 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 so it, I I understand why people are doing it but I also agreed with Sarah I'm like sometimes I do just I am just like oh I want a bit more like spontaneity like I do want to do something mm. crazy she's so crazy you know what I mean yeah well this is the thing um so I, I posted a TikTok about this because I also wanted to hear more people's opinions um before we recorded this segment because I was really intrigued about how um people especially Gen Z's um would respond to this because it, in the TikTok I say like that's a constant battle in my head about am I having enough fun? Like, am I having, like, Mm. do I live a boring life or or something like that? Because I am quite introverted and like the hobbies I gravitate to are very like homebody ones Mm -hmm. or, you know, um, so I, I constantly think like, oh my God, should I, should I be having more wild nights at this age? Like even, even being in a long-term relationship, Mm. oh God, is that how I should be spending my early mid (laughs) twenties got to change that now um it's it was an interesting piece because 
um, I just, I don't know. It really did make me think and, I, and I'm still, I agree with the piece mostly and it just like, I know I'm rambling. I just, I don't even know exactly where I sit with it, I think. Well, that shows that it was a very timely piece, right? Um, and it did get me thinking again because I was away, like I've just said, I was away in Sydney for a week and since I've come back home, I've had this like almost anxiety of like, oh my God, my life is in disarray. I need to uh, clean my clothes. I need to, to wash my sheets. Like I feel gross. I have eaten junk food for days, been drinking. And I had this like almost anxiety of like my life's not in perfect order anymore when right. it was a week ago because I went away. And that's just life. But I was one, since reading this piece, I was like, is that because I'm consuming all this lifestyle content that says if you have a messy room or you haven't gone to Pilates for a week or whatever, that you're somehow like worthless. I feel, I mm. honestly started feeling like I was a bad person. Like not, yeah, right. I don't know how to explain it. Like, like I was failing somehow just mm. because I was so tired and I was felt like I've been like trying to catch up again on like my mm. real life, even though I was working in Sydney, but just being out of my house. Right. And I think that yeah. was, that's also COVID like yeah. every doing like the Sunday reset thing and like, yeah, just getting like worked up about it. When, when I was 20, but 20 to 23, which yeah, COVID happened when I was like 23, 24, I didn't care about any of that stuff. I was just yeah. like my life, you know, going out till four and then working at six and like all these things and just like not caring about laundry. But then I'm also like, is that just because I'm getting older as well? Mm. I don't know. That's so interesting because on the flip side of that, um, I found myself in recent times when I kind of lean more into that messy side of life. Um, as in like, oh, like, let me go to this house party that I was going. I was like, oh, so like last weekend, for instance, I chose to like go out to a house party that was close by, whereas I was so close to just staying in um, and, you know, got home like one or something. And I felt really like proud of myself for doing something like yeah. that or like um, or having, you know, like staying out for an extra glass of wine or whatever it might be. Um I think it's so funny because you were talking about that archetype of being like perfectly kind of put together and organized mm -hmm. and like, like the lifestyle content thing, like that's such um, an aspirational person. And I also look up to that, but then there's also that kind of, we've talked about, there was an amazing, I think it was a guardian piece as well a year ago or something about that messy millennial woman trope as well. Like the, the woman who's like hot, a hot mess. And she, she like, she's got eyeliner smudged under her eye and she's she's like hot and chic but she doesn't try all that stuff yeah. like that's also really aspirational and I think as women it's like oh, who are we supposed to be like can we be both like can yeah can we be both I think we can be both and I just think like men never have these conversations men aren't like no. <laughs> oh god am I the messy millennial woman today or am I like the perfectly yeah. Molly May Haig Matilda Jerf Gen Z today like who or not even today like who am I in general yeah. and yeah but I think we can be but that's life and that's what the piece says as well like life isn't um about just like having you know the perfect amount of protein in your diet and like wearing matching pajamas and lighting a candle like mm. life is also about like chatting with your friends later than you thought because you have the time or like I don't know 
going somewhere on the weekend that you didn't think you'd go I don't know just yeah that's what you've got to try to find the balance and that balance is quite hard but I saw a TikTok video and responding to this Mm. article by one of those lifestyle content creators really yeah and they were really mad about it they were like just say that you love partying don't put it back on us because we don't like partying like you can Mm. do what you want to do we'll do what we want to do kind of that like defensive vibe and I was like oh yeah interesting it has actually gotten people quite like upset as well when it's like lifestyle content creators who are making money or like just enjoy that that lifestyle yeah something that I didn't really think of um until people in the comment section of my video said it was um for instance this person called Karina in Australia said I think the piece plays too much into a binary of what beige versus colorful is you can have both and what constitutes as color is subjective um in my opinion um another one that I really liked was um this is by Crystal Jane who's a founder of Z Feed and she said I think a lot of people are falling into the trap of thinking the two options are beige versus party girl. Our brains require variety. It is imperative to meet new people and have new experiences, especially when you're young, but lifelong too. Beige influencing discourages this, in my opinion. Like it is retreat into routine where the variety comes only from consumption. You don't have to go clubbing. It could be joining a book club but the beige version of that is an aesthetic book sack on a nightstand solo only no new community um so Ooh, I found that really interesting that's such a great comment yeah that's that's like what I was trying to say but more yeah like, no. <laughs> Love that. yeah but I just I find it so interesting that this piece has sparked those combos It has been a little while. I'm sure you were too busy traveling to consume any content, but what have you been loving, watching, reading to, listening to this month, essentially? Mm. Um, yes, I still am loving reading at the moment. And I wanted to bring up one of the books I read while traveling, which I loved. It was actually the first book I've ever, ever, ever read on an ebook reader, which is like unique. Um, <laughs> But it's called This Is Not A Pity Memoir and it's by Abby Morgan. Have you heard of this? I've heard that it was Zara McDonald and Shameless's favourite ever memoir. So that's a very big um, thing of approval. 100%. Um, So that's actually how I found out about the book. Um, I heard Zara raving about it. She actually listened to it as an audio book, which she highly recommends and I can see it being an incredible audiobook as well but anyway I read it um and essentially I don't want to spoil too much but yes as it's a memoir it's based on a true story and it essentially goes through this period in this married couple's life so Abby Morgan is actually a screenwriter and her husband is an actor like a, a theater actor right when they got two kids together and a dog um and essentially through a few health complications he falls into a coma um, and when he wakes he has ongoing brain trauma but he remembers everyone and everything but not her <gasps> he doesn't remember his essentially wife um yeah what how does that how does that even happen like the, yeah I understand not not remembering anyone but like just selectively not remember your wife that's kind of mm. odd remembering was maybe the wrong choice of word like he doesn't believe that it's her 
So, yeah, it's it's quite complicated, kind of, and there's and there's a lot of things that happen in between that, and and whatnot. Um, I just don't want to say too much. Okay, but this um, but this memoir was just so gripping. It was so honest, so raw. Like it's ugly in some ways, and it's also really life affirming in other ways. And Abby Morgan, I think, just does a really great job of just like bearing it all. Like you could think of this as like oh my god it's like I meant she could have written like an uplifting motivational book or whatever whereas this just really got into like the cracks of their life together um yeah like this was really just a incredible and sad yeah book. um I was gonna ask what is it heavy uh, yeah but it's broken up with the humor and okay. and lightness and stuff it's not like overly heavy but of course the themes are quite intense as well mm-hmm. but I would really recommend this one to people wow well thank you for the recommendation and how about you Jazz in your time off what's something that you've really liked consuming my recommendation is an article on Days magazine titled the lazy girl job trend romanticizes the drudgery of work by Serena Smith I love this type of journalism (laughs) it's kind of similar to the beige influencer article we just referenced but it is talking about the changing face of work which you also wrote about this week in the rustification of your career Mm -hmm. which I found fascinating Mm -hmm. on fashion journal if you want to read but this one talks about lazy girl jobs which are undemanding and stress-free where you're allowed to take as many breaks as you want and there's no pressure to work overtime in the article an expert is quoted as saying it appears to be part of a reevaluation of the place of work within one's broader life that has been particularly pronounced within younger generations following the peak of the COVID pandemic. I don't know. Have you seen the Lazy Girl thing on? No, oh. I haven't really. Oh. So this is um, really interesting. I also love culture content that yeah. talks about things like this. So yes. it's um, I've seen it on in a few videos and it's where people um, kind of boast, I guess, about having a work-from-home job where they have like a couple meetings send a couple emails and then they get to like run errands or like wake up late or clock off at, on the dot at 5 p.m. Um, but they're still like a, a working from home job. Mm. And I found this piece quite interesting because it just talks about like the kind of privilege that comes in t- even talking about a job like this. Like yeah. surely the bosses see this. But also number two, how there's like privilege in it, right? Like yeah. it's such a Western, usually white take on like work, which is I'll just reference the piece. It says that it's like an individual opt-out, mm. basically. So an expert says, for every person who is lucky enough to find a lazy girl job and be happy with it, there'll be many, many more stuck in lower ranking, poorly paid, hustled, bureaucratized roles and adds that access to lazy girl jobs depends on a person's class or race. Mm. The confidence to look as though one is doing something important to appear engaged or to be trusted to work independently or with little scrutiny is often afforded far more to certain classes and racial identity than others. So the piece essentially says that, again, similar to beige influences, it's a romanticization of the status quo Mm. and it's tempting because of the economic turmoil that young people are facing. Mm. So super interesting if you, like Maggie and I, are into like this culture, content and and writing. 
completely that sounds great and we'll link that day's piece in like the show notes like we always do I was gonna say though if people are interested in that concept of jobs and stuff a book which I haven't personally read but my sister and my cousins have read and they've told me about it um it's called bullshit jobs and that's by David Graeber um and it kind of looks at the meaninglessness of some jobs and like essentially like fake the amount of like fake jobs we have (laughs) nowadays um but yeah thank you for that rec jazz as you were saying that i was thinking that maybe we can put our article recommendations on threads when our episode is live so if you want to like get the links to things in real time follow us on threads baby oh my god i love that we'll be threading catch us at the threads (laughs) I actually love it, by the way. Anyway, um, <laughs> thank you so much, everybody, for listening to us. We're so glad to be back in your ears. Much love. Um, let us know how you've been as well. Yeah. And we'll chat with you soon. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Bye.